Chapter Thirty One of A Red Wallflower. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. A Red Wallflower by Susan Warner. Chapter Thirty One. Major Street. According to the conclusion thus arrived at. Christopher took the opportunity of speaking to Esther the very next time he was driving her in from school. Esther immediately pricked up her ears and demanded to know where the house was situated. Christopher told her. It was a street she was not acquainted with. Do you know how to find the place, Christopher? Oh, yes, Miss Esther. I can find the place, to be sure, but I'm afraid my little woman has made a mistake. What is the rent? Christopher named the rent. It was less than what they were paying for the house they at present occupied, and Esther at once ordered Christopher to turn about and drive her to the spot. It was certainly not a fashionable corner, not even near Broadway or State Street. Nevertheless, it was respectable, inhabited by decent people. The house itself was a small wooden one. Now it is true that at that day New York was a very different place from what it is at present, and a wooden house, and even a small wooden house, did not mean then what it means now, an abode of Irish washerwomen, or of something still less distinguished. Yet Esther startled a little at the thought of bringing her father and herself to inhabit it. Christopher had the key, and he fastened Bonaparte and let Esther in, and went all over the house with her. It was in order, truly, as its owner had said, even clean, and nothing was off the hinges or wanting paint or needing plaster. Right and tight it was, and susceptible of being made an abode of comfort. Yet it was a very humble dwelling, comparatively, and in an insignificant neighborhood, and Esther hesitated. Was it pride, she asked herself? Why did she hesitate? Yet she lingered over the place, doubting and questioning and almost deciding it would not do. Then Christopher, I cannot tell whether consciously or otherwise, threw in a make-weight that fell in the scale that was threatening to rise. "'If you please, Miss Hester, would you speak to the master about the blacksmith's bill? I don't hardly never see the colonel these days.' Esther faced round upon him. The word bill always came to her now like a sort of stab. She repeated his words. "'The blacksmith's bill?' "'Yes, mum. That is, Creasy, the blacksmith, just on the edge of the town. It's been running along.' "'cause I never could get sight of the colonel to speak to him about it. "'Bill for what? Shoes, mum. "'Shoes?' repeated Esther. "'The blacksmith? What do you mean?' "'Shoes for Bonaparte, mum. "'He does kick off his shoes as fast as any horse ever I see, "'and they does wear, mum, on the stones. "'How much is the bill?' "'Well, mum,' said Christopher uneasily, "'it's been running long, and it's astonishing how things does mount up. It's quite a good bit, Mum. It's nigh on to fifty dollars. It took away Esther's breath. She turned away, that Christopher might not see her face, and began to look at the house as if a sudden new light had fallen upon it. Small and mean, and unfit for Colonel Gainsborough and his daughter. That had been her judgment concerning it five minutes before. But now it suddenly presented itself as a refuge from distress. If they took it, their relief to their finances would be immediate and effectual. There was a little bit of struggle in Esther's mind. To give up their present home for this would involve a loss of all the prettiness in which she had found such refreshment. There would be here no river and no opposite shore, and no pleasant country around with grass and trees and a flower garden. 
there would be no garden at all, and no view except of a very humdrum little street, built up and inhabited by mechanics and tradespeople of a humble grade. But then, no debt, and Esther remembered that in her daily prayer for daily bread she had also asked to be enabled to owe no man anything. Was here the answer? And if this were the Lord's way for supplying her necessities, should she refuse to accept it and to be thankful for it? It is getting late, was Esther's conclusion as she turned away. We had better get home, Christopher, but I think we will take the house. I must speak to Papa, but I think we will take it. You may tell Mrs. Bounder so, with my thanks. It cost a little trouble, yet not much, to talk the Colonel over. He did not go to see the house, and Esther did not press that he should. He took her report of it, which was an unvarnished one, and submitted himself to what seemed the inevitable. But his daughter knew that her task would have been harder if the colonel's imagination had had the assistance of his eyesight. She was sure that the move must be made, and if it were once effected, she was almost sure she could make her father comfortable. To combat his objections beforehand might have been a more difficult matter. Esther found Mrs. Barker's dismay quite enough to deal with. Indeed, the good woman was at first overwhelmed, and sat down, the first time she was taken to the house, in a sort of despair, with a face wan in its anxiety. "'What's the matter, Barker?' Esther said cheerily. "'You and I will soon put this in nice order with Christopher's help, and then, when we have got it fitted up, we shall be as comfortable as ever. You will see.' "'Oh, dear Miss Esther,' the housekeeper ejaculated, "'that ever I should see this day, the like of you and my master.' "'What then?' said Esther, smiling. "'Barker, shall we not take what the Lord gives us and be thankful?' "'I am.' "'There ain't no use for Christopher here, as I see,' Mrs. Barker went on. "'No, and he will not be here. "'Do you see now how happy it is that he has got a home of his own? "'Which you were disposed to think so unfortunate.' "'I haven't changed my mind, Mum. said the housekeeper. "'How's your horse going to be kept without Christopher?' "'I am not going to keep the horse. "'Here I shall not need him.' "'The drive you took was very good for you, Mum. "'I will take walks instead. "'Don't you be troubled. "'Dear Barker, do you not think our dear Lord knows what is good for us? "'And do you not think what he chooses is the best? "'I do.' "'Esther's face was very unshadowed.' but the housekeepers, on the contrary, seemed to darken more and more. She stood in the middle of the floor, in one of the small rooms, surveyed the prospect, alternately within and without the windows. "'Miss Esther, dear,' she began again, as if irrepressibly, "'you're young, and you don't know how queer the world is. There's many folks that won't believe you are what you be, if they see you are living in a place like this.' "'Did not Esther know that?' and was it not one of the whispers in her mind which she found it hardest to combat? She had begun already to touch the world on that side, on which Barker declared it was queer. She went, it is true, hardly at all into society, scarce ever left the narrow track of her school routine, yet even there, once or twice, a chance encounter had obliged her to recognize the fact that in taking the post of a teacher, she had stepped off the level of her former associates. It had hurt her a little and disappointed her, Nobody, indeed, had tried to be patronizing. That was nearly impossible towards anybody who said was set on her shoulders in the manner of Miss Gainsborough's. But she felt the slighting regard in which low-bred people held her on account of her work and position. 
and so large a portion of the world is deficient in breeding that to a young person at least the desire of self-assertion comes as a very natural and tolerably strong temptation hester had felt it and trodden it underfoot and yet mrs barker's words made her wince how could anybody reasonably suppose that a gentleman would choose such a house in such a street to live in never mind barker she said cheerfully after a pause what we have to do is the right thing and then let all the rest go has the colonel seen it miss esther no and i do not mean he shall till we have got it so nice for him that he will feel comfortable the work of moving and getting settled began without delay mrs barker spent all the afternoons at the new house and thither came esther also every day as soon as school was out at three o'clock the girl worked very hard in these times for after her long morning in school she gave the rest of the daylight hours to arranging and establishing furniture hanging draperies putting up hooks and the like and after that she went home to make her father's tea and give him as much cheery talk as she could command in the business of moving however she found unexpected assistance when christopher told his wife of the decision about the house the answering remark made approvingly was that's a spunky little girl what do you mean said christopher not approving such an irreverent expression she's got stuff in her i like that sort but that house ain't really a place for her you know that's what i'm looking at returned mrs bounder with a broad smile at him she ain't scared by no nonsense from doing what she's got to do don't you be scared neither houses don't make the folks that live in em but what i'm thinking of is they'll want lots of help to get along with their movin christopher do you know there's a big box wagon in the barn i know it well that'll carry their things first rate if you can tackle up your fine steppin french emperor there with our dolly will he draw in double harness will he well i'll try to persuade him and you needn't to let on anything about it they ain't obliged to know where the wagon comes from you're as clever a woman as any i know said mr bounder with a smile of complacency sally up there can't beat you and she's a smart woman too a few minutes were given to the business of the supper table and then mrs bounder asked what are they going to do with the french emperor bonaparte christopher called it bonaparte well they'll have to get rid of him somehow i suppose that job will come on me i was thinking our dolly's getting old bonaparte was old some time ago returned christopher with a sly twinkle of his eyes as he looked at his wife there's work in him yet ain't there lots then two old ones would be as good as one young one and better for they'd draw the double wagon what'll they ask for him it'll be what i can get i'm thinking what did you pay for him christopher named the sum the colonel had given it was not a high figure however he knew and she knew that a common draught horse for their garden work could be had for something less mrs bounder meditated a little and finally concluded it won't break us save me lots of trouble said christopher if you don't mind paying so much if you don't mind christopher his wife returned with a grin i've got the money here in the house you might hand it over to miss esther tomorrow. i'll bet you she'll know what to do with it christopher nodded she'll be uncommon glad of it to be sure there ain't much cash come into her hands for a good bit and i see sometimes she's been real worried so esther's path was smoothed in more ways than one 
and even in more ways than I have indicated. For Mrs. Bounder went over and insinuated herself, with some difficulty, so far into Mrs. Barker's good graces, that she was allowed to give her help in the multifarious business and cares of the moving. She was capital help. Mrs. Barker soon found that any packing entrusted to her was sure to be safely done, and the little woman's wits were of the first order, always at hand, cool, keen, and comprehensive. She followed, or rather went with the wagon to the house in Major Street, helped unpack, helped put down carpets, helped clear away litter and arrange things in order, and further still, she constantly brought something with her for the bodily refreshment and comfort of Esther and the housekeeper. Her delicious rye bread came, loaf after loaf, sweet butter, eggs, and at last some golden honey. There was no hindering her, and her presence and ministry grew to be a great assistance and pleasure also to Esther. Esther tried to tell her something of this. You cannot think how your kindness has helped me, she said, with a look which told more than her words. Don't, said Mrs. Bounder, when this had happened a second time. I was reading in the Bible the other day. You set me reading the Bible, Miss Esther, where it says something about a good woman ministering to the saints. I ain't no saint myself, and I guess it'll never be said of me, but I suppose the next thing to being a saint is ministering to the saints, and I'd like to do that anyhow, if I only knowed how. You have been kind ever since I knew you, said Esther. I am glad to know our Christopher has got such a good wife. Mrs. Bounder laughed a little slyly, as she retorted, Ain't there nothing to be glad of on my side, too? Indeed, yes, answered Esther. Christopher is as true and faithful as it is possible to be. And as to business, but you do not need that I should tell you what Christopher is, she broke off, laughing. There was a pleasant look in the little woman's eyes as she stood up for a moment and faced Esther. I guess I took him most of all because he belonged to you, she said. End of chapter 31 Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona.